This is Paul Adamson, and I'm in conversation with Jyrki Katainen. Jyrki Katainen is a Vice President of the European Commission responsible for jobs, growth, investment and competitiveness. He was also Prime Minister of Finland from 2011 to 2014. Jyrki, one of your key tasks in the European Commission is to oversee this new European Fund for Strategic Investment. Can you tell me where the idea of the fund came from in the first place, and what is its purpose? Well, actually, the idea came from private sector. We said that there's plenty of liquidity in the European market, and they say that the only thing which is missing is risk financing. Banking regulation has changed, and in some countries, banks are forced to deleverage, so they cannot lend more if if there is not a risk financing facility. So, uh, as I said, the initiative came from private sector and now we have established the European Fund for Strategic Investment which offers uh, risk financing, first loss guarantees, mostly to private investors. Uh, there are two strands to which EFSI will invest in. The first is SME sector, uh, venture capital, equity type of financing, but also infrastructure. Okay. And can you explain to me the kind of strange alchemy whereby you take 15 billion euros from the European Union budget, you uh, or 16 billion, you add 5 billion from the European Investment Bank, and hey presto, you come out with a final figure of 300 billion. How does that work, please? It works um, like a normal banking is working. So it's a, it's a question of leveraging. This 25, 21 billion guarantee fund will enable the European Investment Bank to finance projects worth 63 billion in three years' time. And according to historical um, uh, data from EIB, it usually, um, it usually uh, crowd in private resources and, and our leverage from the very beginning is times 15, which is um, little bit lower than EIP's normal leverages. So basically, uh, $63 billion supposed to crowd in around 200, um, uh, more than two, uh, $250 uh, billion from private sector. Okay. I know you've been on uh, an extensive roadshow, both in, inside the European Union and beyond, uh, to, to, to sell and promote the, the European Strategic Fund. Um, what kind of re reaction have you had? Uh, enthusiasm? Uh, skepticism? Both to be honest, but um, in many member states, uh, national promotional banks, private industrial companies, venture capital funds, and also public uh, authorities have started to use EFSI. Uh, there are energy efficiency investment platforms uh, being established in some countries. In some countries, um, banks, commercial banks have raised funds, risk funds from EFSI, and, and they will further distribute, uh, distribute these resources to SMEs and startups. In some countries there are bigger uh, infrastructure projects uh, which are PPP projects, public-private partnership projects. And in many countries there are industrial companies which have been uh, investing to research and technologies, for instance. Okay. And to take a, a concrete example about how the fund works in practice, I see that you've uh, recently uh, uh, done a project in the United Kingdom on a, a wind farm. How did that come about? And explain a bit the, the context, please. Well, um, the Commission does not select the projects. There, there is always a private project promoter or public-private project promoter which contacts the European Investment Bank directly. And they propose the investment plan 
and they are, uh, the reason why the companies are um, contacting EIB is that they cannot get financing or total amount of financing uh, from the private sector, from the banks. So they contact EIP, they present, they plan, and EIP uh, assess the project if it's considered as a higher risk project, uh, which EIP cannot finance completely alone. It will send the project to EFSI, the European Fund for Strategic Investment, which takes the subordinated uh, shares of the, of, of the project, and it can finance higher risk projects. And this will crowd in uh, private money from the private financial sector. So this uh, fin wind farm uh, project is a good example of projects uh, which there are quite many at, at the moment and I, I expect more to come because uh, in some times, I don't know the project that well myself, but uh, in some time, sometimes uh, uh, renewable energy uh, investments are full of um, new technologies, for instance, and that's why some investors may consider them as a higher risk project. So basically, the idea is very simple. If you, if somebody is planning to invest in something, and if there is a need for uh, risk sharing financing, EFSI can help, and this will uh, release uh, private investors to invest uh, into the project. Okay. One of your other tasks, of course, is to oversee the, um, the single market. And a few days ago, when launching the, the new uh, strategy for the Europe uh, European single market, you made a statement to effect further strengthening, I'm quoting, further strengthening and deepening the EU single market is the most important part of the investment plan for Europe. And the single market must keep up with the times. Innovative business models must be encouraged and welcomed into the single market, end of quote. What did you mean by that, the single market must keep up with the times? Um, First of all, we have quite well-functioning single market in Europe when looking at physical goods. But for instance, in digital uh, services sector, we don't have harmonized single market. We still have 28 different copyright regimes, 28 different uh, data protection laws, VAT regimes, etc. So we have to harmonize the regulatory environment in order to create a single market. Also in energy sector, the regulation is very national and it holds back um, investment. Uh, capital market is not that uh, well developed in Europe as it is, for instance, in the United States. So we will present concrete legislative proposals in order to create a better single market. Also, uh, one um, relatively new element in the single market idea is to support sharing economic business models to to, deal, uh, to flourish in, in Europe. There are some examples of this kind of business models which have been uh, banned by European governments. And um, I understand partially their reaction because um, some new business models does not fit to the current regulatory environment. But we should ask whether the current regulatory environment is the best possible or should we change the regulatory basis in order to make it possible to to sharing economic business models to, to be developed in Europe. Because this is the future anyway. Whether you like it or not, this will uh, grow in the world market. You hear that a lot, member state resistance, some member state resistance on to a certain policy initiative, whatever it is that the European Commission uh, puts forward. Um, 
Jean-Claude Juncker, the President of the Commission, of course, has said this is not just a last chance commission, but also a, a political commission. Does that suggest, therefore, that it, it requires commissions like yourselves being more um, confrontational, should we say, with member state governments? Not necessarily, but it's, fa it's the fact that every time when public authorities propose something, there are those who support the idea and there are those who are opposing. And the main issue is that the European Commission uh, presents proposals which are big enough to be dealt with uh, in, in the European level. So we should be big in big things and small in small things. Um, more political commission also means that we have to be ready to prioritize things. We cannot do everything. And there again, for instance, investment plan and especially, for instance, a single market area. It's a big poli political choice from, from our side. We believe that the member states should keep their public financing in good order, in good shape, but it's not enough. We have to liberalize the market, and this is a political decision by, by the Commission. Okay, one, one final question. Um, we, we're just now uh, celebrating, if you like, that's the right word, the first anniversary of the Juncker Commission. Uh, there's been a number of external reviews, assessments of your performance of the, of the first year. What is your own personal self-assessment of the first year in office of the Juncker Commission? Um, I'm very satisfied because uh, we, have concentrate, we have concentrated on the issues which are really, really the ones to be tackled or, or to be dealt with in the, in the European level. So uh, if looking at the number of proposals we have done, it's uh, significantly smaller than what the previous Commission did. And this is uh, only because we decided not to interfere to everything, but to use EU legislative power uh, to the issues which are too large to be dealt uh, to be uh, deal with uh, national authorities only. Uh, the second thing is that um, there ha there has been a lots of um, external pressure. For instance, refugee crisis or Greece issue. It's not an external, but um, mm. it's not the EU related issue. And without decisive policy actions in the European level and by the Commission, it would have been uh, impossible to address all those issues. Those are ongoing um, challenges, but nevertheless we have managed to, to stabilize the situa situation and we have managed to find the right policy tools to, to address these challenges. So, and, and also the investment issue, it's, it's uh, of course a very, very, very big issue. I, I'm quite sure that this commission will be remembered as a commission which um, uh, deepened and, and widened internal market. This is a European structural reform. This is what the integration is all about. And, and uh, I, I'm sure that stakeholders, people and businesses in Europe are, are satisfied with this. Thank you very much. For Thank you time. very much.